Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown in our hearts to give the light and the knowledge of the glory of God in His face. The light shines on us today in Ephesians chapter 6. We're at the end of Ephesians already, but this is one of the more powerful parts of not only Ephesians, but all of Scripture. He continues to talk about good order, children, parents, bondservants, masters, and then he goes into a wonderful explanation of how our Lord will keep us strong in Him. Armor of God, uh, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace in the gospel, helmet of salvation, shore of the Spirit. What does it all mean? Let's find out today by God's grace. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us back again Pastor David Boisclair, pastor of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Pine, Pine Lawn Missouri. Excuse me, Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, it's wonderful to be here. God be with you. All right, I'm going to start this way, Pastor. I've been doing this with a few of our St. Louis local pastors. What is your favorite restaurant in St. Louis? Let's start there. Well, um, I guess I would say, um, uh, you know, it was, Hodax was a good one, which used to yes. a lot of good chicken. Uh, but Peroni's, I think, uh, that's on the Peronis. north in in. in Florissant. It's a good Italian restaurant. I like their uh, sauce for the spaghetti and everything. So Peroni. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, I used to live in South St. Louis, and we went to Hodax all the time. And their burgers, they had round bacon. I mean, how do they do that? That was wonderful, round yeah. bacon. So, Canadian anyways. bacon, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, who knows? Anyways, I've been doing that. It's kind of a lot of fun. Peroni's, you've heard it here, folks. You live in St. Louis, Peroni's, or uh, Hodak's. And I tell you what, if I come back to St. Louis, let's have a party at Hodak's. I think that's what we need to do. Anyways. Yes. Okay. Great. So, Pastor Boyce Claire, what's happening for you and the and the work of the saints at Faith in Bethesda? Well, uh, we continue to um, uh, uh, fight the good fight of faith by uh, dressing ourselves in the uh, whole armor of God, which is his uh, spiritual word, and we delight to gather around the means of grace and, um, you know, trying uh, also striving uh, to... Um, uh, Maybe I, I'm trying to get some of my people vaccinated for COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. They're over 65, but you know it's it's just a, a trial or it's a problem when uh, when when they're um, uh, you know uh, like there's just not available any of the vaccine. You know, so right, right. That that is something for us to pray about. Is okay. Um, those who are uh, needing it, those who are desiring it, how do we help and serve our neighbor to try to help them to get that vaccine? And uh, that proves to be quite unique at times. So I think that's something for us to pray and ask how, Lord, how, how can we help our neighbor here? So that's exactly. good for, a good thing for us to pray for. Yeah. 
Um, as we look at Ephesians 6, I'm so excited for this because it, it, it brings kind of a military feel to it. It brings uh, order in our, our, our lives, our, our families, maybe our vocations. And, and, and he ends it in such a wonderful way as well. And so there's a lot to go through today. Uh, so how about this? How, what's this? On that note, let's get into prayer. Can you begin our time in prayer? Oh, I'd love to. Let us pray. Our Father, by whose name all fatherhood is known, grant us faith and love to be joined to you through Christ Jesus in the Holy Spirit, who guides us into all truth. Preserve and protect your one holy Christian and apostolic church into which we have been gathered and sanctified. May we count it all joy to keep your commandments. Guard us from the unseen powerful enemies that seek to tear Christ away from us. Grant us the gospel armor and weapons that we may boldly do battle against all evil and prove fearsome to the enemies of truth. Guide us with your spirit as we take up this sixth chapter of the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. May we grow in our knowledge of Jesus, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to do something a little different this morning for you, our listeners, and for Pastor Boyce Claire, is I want to read all of chapter 6. I want to read through it, and then and then we'll go through it snip by snippet. And part of my goal with that is you really have a number of things going on here, and I want us to be able to hear it all through the lens of, of, of our ears, and so we get kind of a visual of it. And also, I think it's going to help us as we go back through the small sections to understand so just bear with me. This is a little bit different this morning, but we will be reading. Open up your Bibles. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures, and it'll be 24 verses. So let us hear the Word of God. Children, Paul writes, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with, with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a bondservant or is free, masters do the same thing, same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, and that you'll be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, 
with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So you may also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus and the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you and all who, and all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I guess I want to say this is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> Thanks be to God. So any background information or first uh, summary thoughts you have as we hear those wonderful and powerful words this morning? Well, this is, you're kind of in the middle of uh, St. Paul's paranetic section of his epistle where he, uh, you know, gives uh, advice to Christians in whatever uh, whatever role of life they have. Um, and, and, and like as St. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, that we should all remain in the stations in which we are called. And, and that's like the table of duties at the end of the catechism. It's sort of like that's, that's what right. we're coming upon here. And, and it's just such a, uh, it, it's just a real gem or a jewel that he decides, uh, by, well, of course, the Spirit guides him. Uh, to put in this uh, marvelous section on the uh, spiritual armor, it's so it, it it's it's really uh, pregnant with theology, with the gospel, with Christ uh, that uh, and strengthens us in our faith. Uh, and in other words, uh, and and he's kind of got this in mind because he kind of feels a little bit uh, hindered because he's um, under house arrest in Rome when he sends this letter. The uh, you notice that that it, it kind of show, shows with uh, the person who's bearing the letter, Tychicus, that uh, you know he he also it's sort of like you could put it together with Colossians because Ephesians yeah. there's a lot of similarities between those two epistles. So uh, Tychicus had. Uh, this letter to the Ephesians and Colossians and the letter to Philemon, who lived in Colossae, uh, and, and the slave Onesimus, or shall I say, the well, maybe the former slave Onesimus accompanied mm-hmm. him to, to Colossae when, when uh, Tychicus delivered that letter, the two letters that he had. And that is really helpful because when you, there are times, and this is my encouragement, because I know after we're done with our program today, I I just want to sit and I want to read all of Ephesians and just get, you know, because we've gone through piece by piece and everything. At the same time, what I should be doing is reading Ephesians, Colossians, and then probably Philemon, because as you said, they're probably all written from the same place. Maybe, it might not be, but, but they're definitely connected in a very unique way that, you know, if you read it all the way through, if you have the time or the energy to do that, there's a lot of similarities. And I've also been talking about a lot of similarities, Ephesians with Galatians. So, I mean, the riches of God's word is so deep and so far, and we get to, get to taste it piece by piece. I, I'm just, thank you for bringing that up, because that's something that is the joy of the epistles and so much more we could learn. Any other thoughts before we dig in? Well, yeah. Um, another thing is, I mean, I, I was not adverse to perhaps thinking 
that Ephesians may have been what is considered to be the lost letter to the Laodiceans, because if you look at the end of Colossians, oh, uh, yeah. Paul says to, uh, or, or he writes, let the letter that is sent to the Laodiceans be read here, and let uh, your letter to the Colossians be read in Laodicea. Now, there were like three cities that were together sort of in Central Asia Minor. They'd be like um, uh, Western Turkey, uh, you know, like in Galatia, where where Paul first uh, brought the gospel. Uh, There were the three cities. There was Colossae, Hierapolis, and Laodicea. And uh, now, now, again, uh, the thing is, you know, the, the reason why there's some speculation about that is because the letter to the Ephesians in some of the uh, manuscript, you know, some of the sources, papyri, whatever source that, that it was written on, uh, omits the name Ephesus, those in Ephesus. Now, uh, sure. the thing is, perhaps in the early church, what they did was they read Paul's letter and they and they substituted uh, for the name the city that was actually written by Paul, uh, their own, the name of their own city. Uh, so, you know, in other words, so that when they, when they read him in church on Sunday, uh, they said, well, this is a letter to us, <laughs> you know. Uh, right. And and but you know the only evidence is that in some in some of these sources for this letter the the name is missing but no other name ever was put in it so I sure. think that that we should we should maintain that it is a letter to the Ephesians and so you know the idea is that Tychicus coming from Rome uh, landed in Ephesus and and handed them their letter and then he traveled inland to Colossae and um, mm-hmm. and 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 then delivered the other two letters. Oh, wonderful. That is a wonderful way for us to start. And as you said so well, the Holy Spirit led him to write this. So let's let's dig in. Verses 1 through 4, children and parents. Now, reminder, right before this, we've been, uh, Paul has, has been instructing about domestic order, is what Martin Luther called it, um, and the understanding of what is good order in our culture. What is, I mean, a Christian good order, I should say, and an understanding of that we are in the Lord, we are in Christ, uh, how does that look? And, and he gives us such wonderful examples of how we are to live, specifically today um, with children and parents in these first four verses. So let's read those again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What is he telling us here about children and parents, Pastor? Well, uh, you know, it's, if, if you would permit me to uh, just re- read uh, from Lenski's commentary, he, it, just, just a yeah. few words here. He says, Paul takes it for granted that the Christian home contains children. Nowhere has he cause to treat the modern crimes of abortion and so-called birth control, which defeat the divine purpose of marriage as instituted by God in its chief blessing. And so, you know, what it is, is that they're part of the church. Uh, the children, so they're in, they're sitting in church with their parents, or sitting or standing, however they, however, whenever they were uh, gathered for worship, and they heard the epistle being read, and and it was so. In other words, uh, the, these are members of the church. 
Because that, mm. that of course, is uh, Paul's overarching theme in Ephesians. It's uh, that the topic is the one holy Christian and apostolic church that, that he's addressing here. And that's interesting, because as you said, you know, it's kind of like they're listening, and hey, wait, that's for me. It's not only for the Ephesians, but also for the children. This goes back to right. Jesus, who says, you know, come to, let the little children come to me, that they would have sat there and go, wait, he's talking about me here. I'm actually part of this thing, which is a good reminder for us as a church, too. How can we make sure that our children realize that as the baptized, that you are part of this as well? But what does he tell them to do? Well, uh, basically follow the fourth commandment, honor your father (laughs) and your mother. Now, notice it says this is the first commandment with a promise. Now, that kind of causes uh, maybe a little difficulty because they're, the first commandment has a promise. Uh, sure. So so that's why sometimes it's it's interpreted as it is the preeminent commandment with a promise. Or, or you know, in other words, it's pre, it's the, the Greek there, it says it is of the kind to be a preeminent commandment with a promise. That, uh, you know, then it says that it may go well with you and that you may live long on usually on the earth, I think in the King James version, mm-hmm. it's translated. Uh, but but in a sense, the the thing it, it it would continue that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God gives you. Now, of course, we're not uh, in the nation of Israel anymore in the promised land, but uh, so it, we, it it has to sort of be, uh, you know, maybe a fit to the the situation. Even Jesus himself, when he was quoting from from Isaiah, stopped where it said, you know, the, the, to, to declare the. Uh, you know, the year of the Lord's favor, and he mm. leaves out and the day of vengeance of our God. So in a sense, the apostle yeah. is quoting the, you know, which shows that the Ten Commandments, there, there's some of the Ten Commandments law or civil law that, you know, mm-hmm. are parts of it, not in the Ten Commandments, but but I mean, the Ten Commandments is a moral law, which is still valid for the Christian. And um, by by the way, I, I wanted to say that about this about the Ten Commandments. Um, I I disagree with Luther early, where he says, "Well, it doesn't have to be in these words," because when Jesus is teaching his apostles, he he number he he speaks the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, so it, you know articulates them. So they they definitely are in their in the moral parts of them are are still sure. applicable to uh, Christians. And this is you know this is always interesting to me too because when I look at the fourth commandment and I grew up with the catechism from 1986 and um, so it's just been honor your father and mother and that's it and um, I remember one of my first classes when I went to my first call and into the call that I've been here now for ten and a half years is that go through a small catechism. That's our first Bible study I'll do just to, you know, get back to the basics. And I remember my first Bible study in my first church, we got to the fourth commandment, and I had a whole bunch of people say they took something out. Like they took they took the Bible out of the catechism. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, not that I hadn't seen it before, but it was interesting just because they're like, and and these were just wonderful folks. They're just like, yeah, that's this is the first commandment with a promise. And I was like, my goodness, these these people know a lot more than me. And and it's this understanding of that when you honor your father and mother and you honor your authorities, that there is that promise that it's going to go well with you. And we have to be careful with that. We can't say if you honor your father and mother, then everything's just going to fall in place. You'll go to a great college and you're going to have loads of cash or something like that. There'll be no death and there'll be no more pain. But it's the understanding of, as a society, kind of like you're saying, moral law, that if we honor our authorities, 
pray for them and honor them, um, respect them, that things are going to go a lot better. If you don't, then you don't. What are your thoughts exactly. on that? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, um, uh, you know, I think uh, in the commentators say, well, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that you will uh, live to be 120 or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's just that uh, as you I think you put it in the proper perspective to say that it may things may go well. You know, this is this is a you know, it, in, in a sense, it. It, it is the uh, sort of for the the kingdom of the left hand. In other words, how things happen in the world, where you know how God governs the world, that things will go well if you follow His order. And and this is mm-hmm. this is His order to have families, uh, father and mother and children, you know, God willing. Uh, sometimes sometimes uh, like in my case, uh, my mother died when when I was twelve, my sister was nine. you know it was difficult for my dad to raise the two of us, so you know I mean it's just that you know God sets us in families and 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 establishes the order that we have in our in our world and i one of the things I heard from uh, from people is just kind of like you know we live in reality, not ideals and and he lays out the ideals um and and but but things aren't aren't perfect, and so what do you you know? How do you then? How therefore do you honor your dad in the midst of all of those struggles? You know, how do you um, how do I continue to honor my parents as they're retired, and obviously I have my own family. How do you, how do you do that? Is really because you know like we could talk. Oh, it'd be great if we had this. Well, Lord have mercy. We could say that about everything, and then you never get anywhere. But you got to deal with the reality, and and we do this, and God will bless it, because this is part of his order. Then he gets to fathers. Um, he gets to fathers, and this is one of those that kind of hits hits me. I'm a father, and I have four children, and and for you, our listeners who are fathers, I, specifically for men, it doesn't mention mo- fa- mothers here, but it just says, you know, stop being so rough on your kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't, well, don't. Uh, you know, I think one of the commentaries is, is that uh, they should not um, uh, maybe uh, place uh, ch- their children in a situation where they have to disobey them if they tell them to do something contrary to God's word. Right. Uh, that that's right. one of the one of the things that's mentioned in the in the commentary. But I think it, it's like each like for instance in the in the chapter before in talking about marriage you know the yeah. wives this is your responsibility husbands this is your responsibility it isn't a one way street with the the wives you know giving all submission to their husbands but the husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church now Christ right. put the church above himself he, mm. he you know so husbands should put their wives above themselves and the same right. and like in here it's like children this is your responsibility now fathers you know it's like they're not your property you know you know like we'll talk about the the slaves in in a few moments but it's interesting that in the first century uh the the cultures around the uh, the christian church at the time were 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 children were considered to be property I mean, chattel women are the wives were considered to be property, Uh, you know, that that, you know, you would you shouldn't dare tell the father how he should uh, run his his family and and everything. Uh, But but in Christianity, there is there is a more God pleasing. Now, granted, it isn't it isn't right for the uh, politically correct notions of our age, you know, which want to destroy uh, Mm -hmm. you know, male and female and all other other types of of uh, institutions but but it in a sense it's it's saying you know don't 
you know, maybe try to nurture your children. And, and, and you know, an example, a negative example is put in with this is, is Eli. In fact, in mm-hmm. the Septuagint, it says that he, there's the admonition, the care and admonition of the Lord. Eli, the same word is used. He did not admonish his sons. Right. You know, so so right. in this particular case, the fathers are, are you know, doing the God-pleasing thing of having the paideia, the, you know, in other words, that's the, the nurture or the discipline, and then the admonition of the Lord. Right, and, that, and that's where it, don't provoke them to anger, and that, you know, it could be interpreted different ways. But here, discipline is good. And the instruction of the Lord. And this is something that, you know, I have to always, uh, uh, you know, repent over because there's times that I need to be more in a disciplined mode. And there's times I need to be better at instructing my children in the Lord. And and obviously that's something my wife and I are always continually trying to communicate about and all that. But here he is. He is definitely laying it out to the fathers. This is part of who you are. And 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 I, I love this too because he's gonna lead us to verse 10 through nine, 10 through 20, helping us understand, okay, who's the guy with you here? This is all in the Lord. You know, this is not me on my own, but this is in the Lord and how the Lord will continue to guide us through this. He's gonna help us, I guess, is the best way to say it. Exactly. Yeah. So let's move on to, we have about two minutes here. I want to be able to read the bonds. It says bond servant and masters. Actually, what's interesting is my study Bible says slaves, but then another ESV says um, um, bond servants. What does yours say? Uh, well, ESV says bond servants. I guess this is the right. 2011 uh, edition. There's a 20, 2001 okay. edition, which I think uses slaves, probably. Gotcha. I was confused because my, like I said, my Lutheran study Bible says, says slaves. Anyways, but same Greek word, obviously. So let's read verses nine, uh, 5 through 9, and I think we'll go to our break after we get done reading. Yeah. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether as a bond servant or as free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. As we hear these words this morning, um, we want to, let's touch on these on the break on the other side. So let's get to our break. We are studying Ephesians chapter 6 with Pastor David Boyce-Claire, and we will be right back. Charlie, a young fisher boy, once carefree, now caught in a net of envy. Why is it that folks like that have everything and folks like us have nothing? Will Charlie surrender all? Come, step out of the ship. Or will he drown in his pride? Oh, no. Join the crew of my golden ship on the next Lamplighter Theatre. 
Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. The idea that our creation is the result of a fluke, an accident, is ridiculous. A hundred thousand monkeys typing on a hundred thousand typewriters, even after a million years, would never produce the works of William Shakespeare. But they might produce several episodes of Wrestling with the Basics, Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. On air or on demand. A click away 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the goodness of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Peace Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Hope Lutheran Church at 1045, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. And welcome back. We are concluding our study of Ephesians in chapter 6 with the powerful words of instruction of order, but also the powerful words of the whole armor of God that our Lord puts upon us. So right now we've been, we, we just read the words of bondservants and masters. And it's a reminder for our listeners, and I'm looking forward to Pastor Boyce Claire helping us out with this, is the understanding of when we talk about slaves and bondservants and masters, it, it's something we have to be careful about, but not only so we don't want to reflect on it too long because it gets really muddled so quickly. But Pastor Boyce Clay, if someone comes to you and says, hey, the Bible has slaves. What does this mean? That's bad. What's going on? How would you address that, especially in light of these words that he tells us today? Well, um, obviously, uh, in the ancient world, that was, that was something that was practiced. It certainly wasn't God's will. Um, the, the the thing is is as, as God often takes things that are bad and and He uh, sets a limit to them and He brings a, uh, He uses them for good. Um, how we would interpret it nowadays is we would speak of uh, uh, masters as being employers and 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 slaves or bond servants as being uh, employees. But it will not do for people to try to uh, cover up the past as cancel culture does in our day and age to say, well, mm-hmm. there, you know, it's 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 it, if you don't tell people that such institutions existed, then 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 you know, as George Santiana said, whoever doesn't uh, whoever doesn't know history is condemned to repeat it. Um, you know, if, if we look at this, we can see that, yes, it, it is an evil, and it was part of the Roman culture, and it would continue to be a part of the Roman culture, uh, you know, for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, in, you know, even after the church, uh, probably when the church finally uh, took over the Roman Empire, then, then, then uh, you know, all people were Christians in the Roman Empire. So how is it possible for you to own as property your brother or sister in Christ? And so it, it came to an end. But, uh, you know, in a sense, uh, there there is the, uh, you know, you have to kind of deal with the fact that it exists within that society. That doesn't mean to say it was good. Um, and, 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 you know, in, in a sense, it, and the apostle says that the Lord has a way in which using this circumstance uh, for your uh, growth in grace and, in, 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 uh, not, not to say that, that, uh, slavery is good, but I'm just saying it, it's uh, uh, you know it's a challenge that you have. Well, how are you going to 
cope with that challenge with the the um, teaching and the weapons that the Lord gives you. And as you said, it's different here because when you speak about ownership, there's a tendency to say, okay, the one who is owned just has to submit, and the one who is the owner, you know, master versus a slave, basically is free reign to do whatever they want. But here he speaks differently. So first of all, what is the um, what is the order of the slave or bond servant? What does Paul tell them to do? Well, uh, so he's he's telling them to. Um be good employees, uh, or, or, or not to, mm-hmm. you know, because as as Luther says in his large catechism, is that you can pot, you can steal from people, uh, like if you're employed, uh, by taking a wage, or, or or in other words, that they probably get their up their their uh, food and their and their shelter from their masters, I guess, and but then they uh, you know waste time and they don't they're not diligent in doing uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, you shouldn't only be diligent in in and on the job when they're looking at you, but also when they're not looking at you. It's sort of like that's why in verse six it talks about eye service and people pleasers. You know, if you let's say mm. you work in the grocery store and and you're and you're stocking a shelf and let's say you're you're really uh, kind of uh, you know you're a little bit lazy and you don't want to uh, you know that, but then the then the uh, supervisor comes by or the the manager <laughs> comes by then you then you really uh, get 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 hop to it and you do it you know that's the kind of idea there is that you're not sincere in uh, doing the best job that you can and he says here as you would Christ and so there's definitely a uh, a calling here a vocational calling that okay, this is my reality, going back to reality again, and um, to do this as you would Christ, to serve as if it was Christ, um, and goodwill as the Lord and not to man. So he definitely, he does this with the children too, uh, obey your parents in the Lord. So he's definitely always pointing us back to Christ, pointing it back to God's promises. And he's pointing, okay, this is where God has you. And now how can I serve within that vocation? But he doesn't leave out the master and say, well, the master is good to go, which would have been probably countercultural in those days. Like you said with the children, children were, quote, ownership. And then therefore to exhort the father was kind of like, well, you can't do that. But he tells the master also to do something. What does he tell the master to do? Well, he, he not to, um, uh, it says, stop threatening you know, you know, like a lot of times, maybe uh, it was customary for a master to say, "I'm going to whip you really sore if you don't do your job well, or I'll, I'll, or, or you know, I'll hang you on the gallows, or I'll, uh, yeah, I can kill you." You know, I mean, stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's interesting in another passage of scripture, uh, or another uh, par- portion of scripture, it speaks about the masters as being slaves of Christ, and and the slaves as being free. <laughs> Free freedmen in Christ, yeah, you know, it's sort of like say, and 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 I think there is kind of a reminder there that both are under the Lord Jesus Christ, and 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 for the for the uh, uh, bond servant, uh, he he or she is to uh, instead of thinking about your earthly master, think about it that it's Jesus who is your is your master. And and in the case of the master, remember that God doesn't show partiality, and, and you know, like with uh, wealth or or social status, uh, you know, he loves he loves that uh, those slaves that are his people just as much as he loves you. 
And that's a, a good reminder for all of us that whenever you're in control of something, I know this for me, like I'm a soul pastor here and, and you're a soul pastor where you're at. Yes. And there's yeah. times that we can, we can kind of get to the point where like, well, we have, we have the answers, you know, we, we know what we're doing here. And, and so that we end up trying to act like we're the master of our own universe. Maybe we do this in our homes or other places, but he reminds it so well here that by the way, um, there's still a master over you <laughs> that there's right. no partiality here that, you know, those saints that are in the pews and those saints that you work with at your job and those people, guess what? Um, their master is also the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's remember there's someone still above you and reminds us to the submission piece that talks about in uh, chapter five earlier in chapter five as well. So last thoughts on those verses. Yeah. Uh, the, it's interesting that the word for master is curious just like mm, the word mm-hmm. for Lord. Lord. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, it could be you lords, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so that's where they're sort of like a tie-in uh, to Jesus Christ being the Lord and what a gracious Lord he is. Um, and, um, uh, you know, so in, in there's, a, there's a lesson here for the, the bondservant of, of learning to be um, obedient, uh, uh, you know, uh, because it is God's will. You know, I mean, even as St. Paul in, in Romans 13 says, the powers that be are there from God. And so mm. you're in, in these, the, God has permitted this situation to be this way. But, um, you know, now that the gospel has come uh, into your household, you know, you should, you know, you should be, um, uh, by the grace of God's Holy Spirit, mindful of that and allow that to guide you. And this is a good reminder for us, too, as we look at our our current state of where you are, uh, your current vocation, that your boss might drive you crazy. And that's a time, one, to pray for them, you know, because they are, they're a soul that needs caring for. And hopefully uh, they, they know the Lord Jesus. Uh, this goes with our parents. You know, we might not get along with our parents, but how can you honor them in the midst of that and go to us in the church, the leaders that we have, or or obviously our government leaders and so forth, is that God has put them there. We don't know why. We don't understand fully. Um, maybe that's not always going to be true, but it is a reminder for us that it is there is a master above us and that we are to, you know, uh, obey and and to follow our leaders, to pray for them. This is a fourth commandment issue. Um, as they are Christ, God has put them there. How do we honor and serve faithfully within that realm? I mean, this is a good reminder for us that God has us here now. Maybe not in the future, but right now this is where we are. And ask the Lord's help as we move forward. Last thoughts? Yeah, I think you really summed it up very well. Good. So let's get the whole armor of God. I'm excited for this. This is like when I was a kid, I wanted to be in the army. I never was, but I wanted to be in the army. And so this is a part of scripture that always really perked my interest. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this too, Pastor. So let's begin verses 10 through 13, as, as, as Paul tells us about strength, strength in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. He tells us to be strong and he tells us to stand. What is he telling us here? Well, he's telling us that uh, we've got a... Uh, 
uh, uh, forces of evil that are against us. Um, and and um, uh, so th- this is kind of our situation. It's not maybe not only that we have uh, human enemies, but we also have spiritual enemies. I like a lot of times how this is applied. The corollary of it is, you know, when it says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, is that people really are not our enemies in, in our Christian life. Uh, the real enemies. Uh, they, they're also they're, they're possibility or you know prospects to bring uh, to the Lord through the uh, hearing of the gospel. The Holy Spirit can can uh, turn them to the Lord, and that's a lot of times how this passage is is presented. Is saying you know people are not the enemy, but Satan and his uh, unseen uh, demonic forces are the enemy. However. Uh, the thing is that Paul is also. I think what Paul is mainly saying here is is like. Uh, you know, when you're when you're engaged in spiritual warfare, or when you're engaged in warfare as a Christian, uh, it isn't people. You know, it's not. It's something even more powerful than people that's that's opposed to you in do, in fighting the good fight of faith. Uh, you know, and 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 I'm I'm reminded another passage is is like Saint Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are spiritual, uh, mm-hmm. and and not of the flesh. So, so in other words, it, it's it's kind of like how do we translate that? And 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 so the idea here is the whole armor of God, the panoply of God. Uh, he, this is the uh, you know you think of the Roman soldier, the the soldier that's on the line against the enemy. Uh, you know he's he's uh, if you had a number of soldiers together, they had a like a military uh, force that was known as the turtle, where they would uh, form a turtle with all of their shields. Uh, you know, and 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 be able to uh, advance into enemy territory, um, and and so then you know, it, hmm. it, in this particular case, it's it's like saying, okay, now we're we're like uh, spiritual soldiers, soldiers of Christ, soldiers of the cross, um, and um, uh, I like the one hymn, uh, "Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus," uh, six sixty, yes. I, I think it is yep. in um, six sixty, yep, service book. Uh, where it says, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. It's sort of like a real summary of all of what he's saying here. So that's kind of the that's kind of the idea that that's that's coming that's coming through here. And then then we have the the different um, elements of the armor and the the equipment that we have in order to fight the good fight. And I love how he says, stand firm. I mean, this is really helpful how you said that. I'm, I'm trying to think of how to do a turtle call in church at some point. All right, let's all do the turtle now. I wouldn't, anyways, I'm, I'm joking. But anyways, uh, but, but you look at this, stand firm. And it reminds me, you know, I played football in high school, is that there were sometimes you'd have a drill where a guy would run right at you and the coach is like, how are you going to stand firm right there? He doesn't say those words, but how are you going to stand firm? Well, if you just stand straight up and down, which is what we kind of envision things a lot of times, you stand straight up and down, you're, I mean, you're going to be knocked over. And Hopefully don't do that anymore because I can guarantee a lot of concussions happen in those drills. But but you, if you stand straight up and down, you're going to get knocked over no matter how small the other guy is if he hits you below. But if you get in an athletic position where you bend your knees, your arms are ready, you're ready for this guy to show up and you put your arms up into his you know, pads, you're not going to mm-hmm. get knocked over. That's what stand firm is as Christians, is that the evil and the authorities and cosmic powers all around us are attacking us. And if you're standing straight up and down, you're going to get knocked over. But how do you exactly. make sure that you're, you're in that athletic position 
is by the word of God. And that's what exactly he continues to say throughout this um, this text is how do we get in that? I mean, I'm thinking as, as an athlete is how do you get in an athletic position to be ready at all times? And so that's what's great about these next few verses. Well, I think um, I think what you said is very important is say it, it, it because it is an ag you know the word in in um, in Greek is agon it's it's like a uh, uh, you know you go through the ordeal or the uh, you know the discipline of an athlete you know run yeah, that you yeah. may, run in such a way that you may obtain uh, you know it's it's a striving I do not beat the air but I'm bring my body into subjection, not only, you see, that's another thing. You also got maybe enemies you weren't aware of. There's that sinful nature that's within you. And, uh, you know, the devil likes, you know, pushing the buttons in of our sinful nature and, and getting, you know, so, so we really need to be ready. We really need to be equipped by the grace of God with the word of God. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, let's hear more of this, I would say, military imagery that he gives. Let's read verses 14 through 16. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So one thought I have here, Pastor, is if we could go through each one of these and just kind of get the imagery. Um, so bless, uh, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, how do you envision that? Well, uh, uh, it's interesting that uh, there's quotes from Isaiah. Um, the, well, the, you know, maybe we should just stick to uh, of the, how the apostle puts it, the belt of truth. Um, and the, the belt is where the sword is is uh, put in its scabbard. Uh, one of the things that, that's pointed out, it, it's interesting in the, in the order that, that uh, the apostle puts it is in the order of, of uh, putting, uh, you know, arming oneself or putting on these uh, elements of the armor. Uh, you know that that um, you know usually for a belt in in uh, the first century was people would our men would wear long flowing. Um, uh, tunics and and uh, and if they were going to work they would just simply you know like when you're at home and you're kind of uh relaxing you don't have a belt on but then when you got to go outside to work you you belt yourself up and and you go out uh to do your work in the case of the soldier mm. uh the belt was to be kind of for utility it was to it was kind of well you know me make kind of making uh, making him firm there and and giving him uh, a sword or putting the sword in a scabbard which was would be on the belt and and so that was that would be and it, and of course it's it's truth i mean we proclaim truth you know you can put in front of your church truth is spoken here you know a lot of times you've seen uh you know maybe restaurants where it says english spoken here or spanish spoken here in in the case of of god's church it's truth is spoken here <laughs> yeah and, that's and, really good that's really yeah. good. And then and then um uh then it says uh the uh say stand with the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, breast uh, right. that that covers uh, all of the uh vital organs. Uh, the, uh it is it is righteousness which is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is a perfect righteousness. So we're fully equipped by being covered with his righteousness, trusting in him as as the source of the uh, righteousness that stands before God. Uh, 
And then, then of course, the you're reminded of the shoes uh, of the readiness given by the gospel of peace. It's kind of like as as Isaiah says in um, Isaiah uh, chapter uh, fifty or chapter fifty two verse seven, uh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes yeah. peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And so, you know, in other words, uh, that that uh, our uh, the gospel should make us mobile as you go, uh, you know, make disciples of all nations, uh, you know, that type of idea. And so that, yeah, that's like with the, with the preparation of the gospel. Absolutely. And these are such great imagery because not only, and you, you put this together so well because it reminds us of what God puts upon us. I mean, this, I, I can't help but not think about David when they try to put all this, <laughs> all these, all this military stuff on him when he's about to fight David and Goliath. He, he didn't put that stuff on himself. They literally had all these guys put it upon him. It wasn't something you put on yourself. It's what God puts on you by the mm. word of God, by the Holy Spirit. It's great baptismal imagery that exactly. he's not just giving you a nice, smiley, happy, picturey type of thing, but he is preparing you for battle. He's preparing you for war throughout your whole life. And, and it also points us to Christ. I heard the, re, just recently, they said, you know, the, the, the belt of truth, John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That the breastplate of righteousness, it says that Christ is our righteousness, 1 Corinthians 1. And then the, the, the peace, the gospel of peace, obviously, Prince of Peace. And as you said, Isaiah 52, um, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. All of that reminds us God. of Jesus. We're at peace with God, absolutely. Yeah. And then it gets mm-hmm. to the shield of faith. Thoughts there? Yes, and and uh, that, that that was about uh, the uh, ancient uh, Roman soldier's shield that he would carry into battle it was about four feet high, or you know, four, and and it would cover him. It was kind of rounded. Uh, you know, it, it is that the faith that God gives us uh, as a gift of His grace through uh, the Word and Sacrament uh, is uh, also has the the next line of protection against, uh, and that that of course catches the flaming darts of the evil one. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of like uh, either arrows or, or darts. Uh, they would put uh, cotton or, or pitch on them, and, and they would be flaming. Um, you know, it's yeah. interesting that I always like to uh, I always like this quotation from King Henry V from the 15th century, where he said he was a warrior king, and he said, "War without fire is like uh, sausages without mustard." And and uh, so so in other words, uh, you know, with when the devil is is uh, sending his his uh, uh, darts, uh, throwing his darts at you, and he's he's uh, 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 shooting his arrows at you, he puts he puts uh, pitch on them, he he puts fire. They're they're fiery temptations that he that he uses. Uh, John Bunyan in the Pilgrim's Progress, I think one of the the centerpiece of that work is the fight between uh, the um, um, hero Christian and Apollyon, um, you know, one of the one of the yeah. Um, yeah. angels of the bottomless pit, uh, as the as the dragon, uh, uh, you know, having a dragon body, a lion head, and everything, and a breathing fire, and taking darts from his body and throwing them, and and Christian, of course, catches them with his shield. And, uh, you know, and then, then of course, uh, you know, then Christian gets to the only offensive weapon, which we're coming up to. 
Yeah, absolutely. And this is a good reminder for us that you talk about there's fire. Well, the the devil's not going to hold back. He's going to go with everything he's got against you, which is exactly why God gives us all these gifts. So let's continue 17 through 20 to get to the next piece here. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in an opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So here he, he brings up helmet salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How is this so powerful? What does this mean for us? Well, uh, it's interesting that uh, Paul's motto, when when Paul is is represented, uh, you know, in heraldry, like uh, you know, the apostles sometimes are, are there's sort of like uh, shields uh, that that represent the holy apostles. Paul is the gladius spiritus, that is the sword of the spirit. So that, and that of course shows that that is the way we do offensive battle against the, you know, everything else is is for defense. The the sword of the spirit is offense, like Jesus said to the devil when he was tempting him, it is written, it is written, it is written, uh, as Luther says, uh, quote the Bible to the devil to death. You know, I mean, I mean, it's basically when, whenever you're tempted, you know, you, you, always, you always put forward by the, with the help of God, the word of God that, 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 that deals with that uh, particular um, assault. And and the and and like here, you know, and then of course also prayer is is another of the weapons as well, uh, a prayer and, and supplication, and and then when Paul says talks about uh, him speaking boldly, that means that is what the apostles prayed for. Like if you look at Acts four, uh, like around verse twenty nine, where it's they prayed to the the Lord, and there was another visitation of the Holy Spirit that caused them to pr- proclaim the gospel with great boldness. Parasia in Greek. And so, so in other words, uh, you know, like in, in, in standing, we should be bold and audacious, standing against evil and against sin. And this is, in the pulpit that I had in my first congregation, it had in front of it a sword, it had a Bible that was, go- a sword was basically going through the Bible, and it said, Gladius Spiritus. Showing that every time, and it's a good reminder for me, when I preached, I was going to battle. That this was the offensive, the word of God that I'm that I'm bringing into people's lives. That when we sing the hymns, receive the sacrament, when there is a baptism, it is a battle that we are going, and we know that the battle is the Lord's, as it tells us in First Samuel. This is the Lord's, and part of that is you go to church, you are you are you're fighting the devil. I mean, is this a way we can talk about this? Exactly. I think that's Ooh. that's the way, you know, even in the Roman Catholic Church, of course, we disagree with them about saying that uh, uh, that uh, confirmation is a sacrament of strengthening. But they, they kind of enlist uh, people that are confirmed as soldiers of Christ, right. uh, you know, and, 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 and maybe maybe as we are, uh, you know, teaching uh, the ch- catechizing our, our young, uh, we should we should, uh, you know, empower them with uh, the spiritual weapons and and armor that they need. Now, we have about two minutes here, and I'm not going to get through all the verses today because I want to talk about the prayer piece. And there's two parts of this. Praying at all times and all supplication, you know, for all people that you're around. And then he says in verse 19, and also for me. So we should pray for all people, 
The Holy Spirit will, will help us in these prayers. And also, Paul is so bold as to say, I need your prayers. We have about a minute left. Why is this so important for us in the church and how's, how we look at prayer in the gospel? Well, as we look in the book of Acts, uh, when Peter was put in jail, the, the entire church was praying for him. I once asked a pa- uh, professor, I said, uh, is, it more, is there a greater advantage to have one person pray, or is there more of an advantage if more people are praying for God to do something? And he says, if more people are praying for the same thing, it shows God is doing something about it. That is, you know, and that's the, that is the um, um, communication with, uh, with the headquarters. So we have the strength by communicating with our, 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 our Lord, our God, who is there to uh, empower us and strengthen us so that we can withstand in the evil day. And, 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 and it's always important for us to ask to pray for one another and, and uh, you know, in, in a sense, encourage people by saying, I'm praying for you. How strengthening that is. And that's a, it's a, it's a good sign of, of strength, actually, when you ask somebody else, can you pray for me? Because you're admitting that you that there's a master above us, right? And that and that we all need help, and we understand that God is doing something through those prayers because it's His. Uh, real quickly, do you have a summary for us today, or a sentence to give us? Well, uh, I, I I can't think of any way in which the apostle, uh, you know, who who really wanted to be to be with his congregations, but in giving these letters, uh, just just empowered them by this word of God, and 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 we are throughout the ages until the world ends will always be strengthened by this powerful chapter. Wonderful. Pastor David Boyce-Claire, pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, helping us today with Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thank you for being our guest. It's great. uh, Great pleasure. God be with you all. As the hymn says, stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, yet dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. That's our text today. Each put is peace put on with prayer where duty calls the danger be never wanting there i'm your host brady finner and pastor of messiah lutheran church in sartell minnesota thank you for joining us and the lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands